Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! Anything's possible! Hello and welcome back to Celtic Strong, a podcast where Celtics fans talk about our love for the Boston Celtics. And today we have another very, very special episode with two special guests, Celtics fans through and through. And today we're here to talk about the season that has just closed and the first round of the playoffs starting Sunday, because we are taping the week between the regular season and the playoffs. The Celtics are set to meet their new rivals, we'll call them, new rivals right now in the moment, the Brooklyn Nets. So Steve, could you tell us who is here today with us? Woo woo! What's up, friends? Yeah, we got some awesome friends here, all the way from the state. Of New Hampshire originally, we got our main man, Justin, back with us, and he brought a really good friend of his, Corey. We got two fans, not experts here, to just talk about really rap. We want to do like a season, regular season recap, and a preview of this of this playoff series initially with the Nets. I know I personally, I wanted the Nets. I was gunning for this Ooh. matchup. I thought to myself, this is what I want. I want I want to face Durant. I want to face Kyrie. Do you want to exercise these... some demons, Steve? I do. I just, I feel like the road, if we're going to make a run this year, I want it to start here. I want us to embarrass the Nets. I want Simmons to come back in the middle of the series and just get totally posterized and yeah. completely, <laughs> like, I just want to put in another dimension. <laughs> yeah, let me just jump in and say, not only in the middle of the series, but only in the middle of the game because he can't close out the game. No, <laughs> he's not going to be in the starting lineup. Well, then it's just hack a Ben. Good night, you know? Uh, Steve, <laughs> coming out. in hot. 
Yeah, uh, not like that energy from Steve. <laughs> Steve's, yeah, Steve got the shadow looming behind him. He's like, let's yeah. go fuck my necks. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm recording. I live in New York, so I'm I live I have to record in my closet. And <laughs> being in New York, you know, I'm I'm here with the people. And for the most part, it's still it's a Knicks town still. Oh, yeah. And they've like this cultural or like you know, like I think Eli you mentioned it before. It's just like the Nets are cool from a more general standpoint where it's like Durant, Kyrie, but there really aren't the roots haven't settled. And I feel like even here in New York, there's more diehard Boston Celtics fans and Mm-hmm. more you get this vibe from the Knicks fans are just kind of looking with their eyebrows <laughs> up kind of like mm. and I don't hear about the Nets players when I'm in the subway I hear about Marcus Smart I hear about like the defense yeah! let's be clear so, um, also for the record the Barclays Center is basically like going to see Masterpiece Theater it's like uh <laughs> Corey you might be on mute no, I'm, I, oh, you were just mouthing like we just haven't let him talk yet. Yeah. yeah, no, but fucking Barclays is like it's like the most it's the most like romantic, dimly lit. Like it's not where you go to watch basketball. It's like where you go to see like the ballet. You know what I mean? It's like very classy and like yeah. it's like come on, man. Barclays is like fifty percent Celtics fans when Boston plays too. They don't have like yeah. long yeah. obviously because they're they're a newer team, but they don't have like long term fans that are super knowledgeable about basketball either. It's like, it's a really kind of a really dead arena. Yeah. It's going to be a, a definite advantage uh, for this first round because they might not only have technically home court, but they might actually have more fans in both arenas. Yeah. Yeah. It's like totally conceivable. There's more green uh, in Brooklyn even. So that'll be a lot of fun. But before we dive into that, Let's stop for a moment because Steve and I, we did an emergency podcast uh, back in January and we were really worried about this team as many people were. And uh, it was after the Knicks loss where RJ Barrett hit the game winner. And that game has really become a turning point for a lot of things uh, in this season and the storyline. And so... And some could say our emergency pod directly after that game (laughs) could have been a turning point. Obviously. It is possible. Hello. Anything Uh, is possible. That's anything is possible. So from that point, you know, we last got to talk with Justin, what was it about a week after the trade deadline, uh, in sort of the week following or so. And the turnaround was real and we were excited. But now where they got to in the two seed, the overall numbers. We won't get too much into that because we are not experts, but heard some stuff about net rating that was astounding. They certainly had the the best plus minus uh, or overall point differential in the East. And as the two seed with Miami as the one, I don't know who's that afraid of Miami, though certainly a really good team as well. So the Celtics from the start of, you know, the actual regular season through that dismal loss to the Knicks and this turnaround is the biggest turnaround ever for a team that was under 500 that deep in a season. So it's historical, literally. And I think all of us as fans felt that 
And there was this kind of disbelief for me where they just wouldn't lose. And then even when Time Lord got hurt and they like lost that one game where you were like, uh-oh, is this a stumble? They just came back and they beat everyone else for the rest of the season by 30, except for the game they rested Horford and Tatum, right, against Milwaukee. So, yeah, Corey, new to the pod, why don't uh, you chime in with any of your just like thoughts and observations in the last couple months of like how did they do this? Because it wasn't just a turnaround. It's like going from zero to, you know, 100 in, in three seconds. Just yeah. unbelievable. You touched on it a bit, Eli, like not just that they were winning, but but how they were winning. You know, it's not they weren't eking out close games or kind of like like looking sloppy or something like that. They were beating teams by 25, 30, what are they what, 48 against Philly or something like that. You know, um, they, they were winning at, at a historic level um, and they still are, you know, like they're still winning by 30, even without Time Lord. Um, and the other thing that I thought like was really encouraging is that when they didn't have any of their guys, like in the Toronto game or, or the Milwaukee game um, where they were, they didn't have Horford, they didn't have Tatum. They were still playing their system and they were still like, like you could taking a couple of games from Milwaukee with that lineup in a, in a playoff series. So it's not just like you take one guy out and suddenly this is a complete, this team falls apart, um, which is, I think the narrative that like a lot of Nets fans want to go with is like okay no rob williams and also bruce brown wants to go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same strange reason williams, we got this now it's like well the pieces fit so well and tice slides so nicely into that into that role that rob williams was playing obviously he does different things in time lord but like right. you know that, that spot um i'm not as worried as i was you know three weeks ago when when we heard about the injury right yeah, yeah, I agree. That was devastating in the moment to hear because you were like, everything was working so well. But I love what you said, Corey, about sort of what what came out of that maybe even brought the team together even stronger. Yeah, I think that also like around the trade deadline when we first talked, um, you know, you guys were really excited about Tice, the two of you guys. And like, to be honest, like I was like, oh, guys, cool. Like, He'll be like the ninth, tenth guy in the rotation, like maybe, you know, maybe help out a little bit. But I wasn't I, I I've always kind of seen Tice as like a solid, solid piece, but like, you know, seeing him have the opportunity right now to really solidify himself and seeing what he's been doing towards the end of the season, you know, I think that he he has the chance now to like really like really step up and like fill that void that that Rob left. Um and and I'm excited, I'm excited to see it because I think he does have the potential, but it's just like he hasn't really proven it to me yet. It's, so I was like, I wasn't as excited about him as I was about, say, Derek White, who didn't really produce, but also has the opportunity now that he has some momentum towards that very end of the year. So I'm, I want to see him continue to yeah. contribute. And I totally agree with Corey. It's like it's like having this system and having this culture of toughness that Ime Udoka has instilled in us. And like, I think that's been the difference, like like defensive, you know, commitment to defense and just toughness. Because that's that was the main thing you could point to for the last two three years with Jalen and Jason. Like they look cool out there. They're doing their thing. Like they're they they getting points. But it's like there was something missing. I think I think Udoka's come in and and really demanded a level of toughness. And the year started off rocky as a result of it because he was he was a no bullshit kind of guy. He's calling him out in press mm-hmm. conferences and like he's he's not the most like charming guy. He's kind of like almost like Belichick in that sense, right? He's just sort of like a grumpy sort of 
quiet kind of type, you know, but I, I think he's not a please you guy at all. Nah. You know, he's not huh. a sweet talker. Yeah, it was straight up. And yeah. And I think something else that happened that we were talking about last time with those acquisitions is they got rid of like a log jam everywhere. And, yeah. you know, I think there are people who, or players, you know, who portray the tough guy role in the NBA and then there are players who actually are really tough. Yeah. And I think we've also seen that. And one of the great things is we talked a little bit last time about how it uh, it really clarified the rotation. And what you're seeing now is like, I wasn't a Peyton Pritchard believer early season, right? But Peyton Pritchard is tough. He works so hard. He's dead-eye shooter. And he's a freaking baller. Like, he's yeah. just a fucking player. And yeah. I think he and Grant Williams, people have been on Grant Williams for the last couple of years. Dude played playoff quality playoff minutes as a fucking rookie yeah. and has done everything ever as a tiny four playing five. Like he, yeah. Grant Williams is tough. Yes. yes. And Aaron Neesmith is tough. Yes. Right? He, and he hustles. He goes for it. Yeah, they, they kept the right they kept the right players. They kept the right players. Would and love, I'd love to have Josh Richardson. Still. Yeah, Richardson's the only guy. It's like, sure. uh, but you know, was there you know a way to keep him? Maybe, but he really was taking minutes that we needed yeah. to open up for others. So, yeah. yeah, do love him. But yeah, I mean, Schroeder unfortunately like really epitomizes that uh, what had kind of been wrong with the team and. No yeah. knock on him, just like not yeah. the player to play in this system, not the guy. He we dribbles have. too much, man. I want to jump back on what Justin said about the coach. I feel like we we should give him a little more credit here because there was this real anxiety early in the season of like, uh, is this working? He's calling everybody out. And I feel like with other sports and other situations, you've, we've seen that all go really poorly, mm -hmm. right? And But I think it's a credit to him. It's also a credit, I feel... Also to Tatum and Brown, because they wanted him a lot, right? And they were a big part of that hire. And then he came and he was like, all right, you want it? You got it. And he called them out on all their shit. And he held everyone feet to the fire. And he wouldn't let anyone get away with anything. And it made them better. So it's sort of like credit goes to him. But I feel like the players have to buy into that too. Yeah, and exactly. not be too soft-skinned about it. And I feel like that that was kind of a perfect marriage of that. And that's a special thing. I don't. I feel like that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, and we and we also talked about this in the last pod. Like, like you said, buying into it, and like that was what I had asked. Like, what I've asked of Jason Tatum specifically, like to be the leader by example with the toughness. And he, he he's attacking the rim way more. He's he's committing to defense. He's 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 a. He, I could say like without a problem. Like in the last three months of the season, he proved himself to be, be a leader. I think he, he grew so much this year and it's going to pay dividends for years to come. And um, yeah, it's just now the playoffs is a different story. Can he keep it up? You know, can, and can he, can he control his emotions? Cause I also see him sometimes the double-edged sword of the, of the passion and the, and the lead and like the, 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 the toughness is that sometimes it can backfire on you. Yeah, too emotionally invested, and and then you start complaining. The refs more, you start throwing. Or you flick LeBron in the balls because he's standing right. over you. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and that get suspended, so you lose the fucking finals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get me, man. It's like, 
you know, these guys, like, I don't envy their position. It's got to be hard to be out there. Like, I can't just sit here in my fucking, like, baby rocking chair, like, fucking <laughs> saying, like, they, they need to control their emotions out there. Uh-huh. Like, it's got to be, imagine, like, all the adrenaline just rushing through your veins when you're, like, in a playoff game with a few minutes to go and everyone's counting on you and, like, you don't get the call you wanted. Like, it's easy for me to say, but. I'm excited yeah. to see how 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 he responds. He's he's a he's a grown man now. He came in a kid, you know. Yeah, a little kid. He's still 19 though, right? Yeah, he's who perpetually. Oh, uh, what's Corey crazy Annie. is <laughs> what's crazy is he is actually only 24. Like he's yeah. still yeah. under 25. So. <laughs> we can keep yeah, saying that's, that. That's <laughs> very young. Corey, any other uh, plot lines or people you want to highlight over this season? You thought either took a leap or just sort of impressed you overall? Yeah, I mean, you guys, I, there's a couple of guys that you guys talked about a little bit that, that I wanted to kind of jump on. Um, first of all, with uh, Udoka, the uh, middle of the year when they were really struggling, there was that that press conference that he's like, what do you guys want me to do? Call a timeout and call a play? Um, and at the time when he said that, I think I texted Judd. I was like, what's he doing? Like, yeah, that's what a coach is supposed to do, right? <laughs> but, like, looking back at the turnaround, it kind of, like – I think it's emblematic of how much he trusts his guys and he trusts the process of like building up his guys so that, yeah, you, you shouldn't have to call a timeout and call a time, call a play. If if the other team is rolling on you, you should be able to, the guys on the court should be able to handle that. Um, And and I think that that was like uh, uh, really, it showed his leadership style uh, of that. He's going to get on you. He's going to make you play the right way. He's going to put this system in place that he really believes in. But when it comes down to it, he also respects and trusts the guys on the floor. So I thought yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and Eli, I just wanted to touch a little bit on Peyton Pritchard too, who <laughs> uh, his defense, uh, like, like nobody knew he could do this. Uh, like, and what I love, it's a little bit harder with, with time Lord out, but yeah. um, what he could do with Time Lord in the back line, and and to, to some extent with Tice and Horford, is that he could press up, like he could play half court press and just hound you. He could play three quarters court and just hound you, and not be so worried about okay, if 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 Kyrie gets by me, I've got three guys in the back line that can that can protect. Um, and I just thought that that like like just watching Marcus Smart, I'm um, kind of apprentice him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool to watch. And I guess we haven't talked about Marcus Smart at all. Like every conversation is is all around Marcus Smart because he is that culture and he is that toughness. So, yeah. uh, but his uh, offensive maturation uh, as a playmaker, uh, as a true point guard, as yeah. a guy who shoots when he should shoot. And- <laughs> the decision, the organizational decision to stick with him. Right, yeah. so we're we're at this point right now. And be honest, about in this way, empower him to finally be this the the guy, the point guard. It's like no Kemba, mm-hmm. no Kyrie, no you know, like it's you now. You're running yeah. the ship, and like uh, and uh, just the just I will say though, he does relapse sometimes, Corey. Like he'll <laughs> relapse and he'll have like really really bad bad shots. That He's like, game I got they this. sat like, Tatum. I think it was that Milwaukee game. They sat Tatum. He was like five for 21. He loves to, Marcus still loves to shoot. And, but yeah, we've actually, you know, Steve and I, you know, Corey, you might not have listened to all of the 12 to 13 preceding episodes, but Steve and I, you know, we got deep into all of the seasons back to uh, 2007, 2008. And one of the things that recurs as we, 
dig into each season and and talk about Marcus through most of those, right? Because he is right. now the throughput, the the oldest player, the 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 story's heart. <laughs> um, he is always being in our minds, you know, kind of forced into these other roles or at times maybe just not held accountable enough, which happened, I think, the last couple years here and there more than preceding. But really, like, I think I said literally on a previous episode, Marcus Smart is as good as the role you put Marcus Smart in. Yeah. And if you put him in the right role, he's defensive player of the year possibly mm -hmm. right now. He's the unanimous first team, all defense Whoever the other guard is on there, no one really fucking cares. It's him yeah. and another guard. You know, it's like yeah. Stan, Van, so. Stan Van Gundy wanted to put him on second team all defense. Just putting that out there. <laughs> I just want to say, like, can we get a can we pour one out for when we only had good NBA announcers? Like those days are so long gone. And when we get these national series, I don't want to call too many people out by name because we try to keep it positive. But Stan is. The tip of the iceberg. And <laughs> when yeah, don't slander Stan's name. Stan, I love Stan Van Gundy. Now, I love him too. I love Ron Jeremy. I mean Stan Van Gundy. Um, <laughs> the thing is, uh, what's his name? The, the funny guy, um, this guy, I think it was Kevin Harlan. Somebody said that yeah. uh Ty Lu is the Bill Belichick <laughs> of the NBA. Ooh. So I think yeah, so. I, I did hear about line. this. I think what he said is like, um, well, you know, we're hearing talk that Ty Lu is really becoming the Bill Bell. It was sort of like aspirational, but even to utter those words <laughs> on a national broadcast should get you uh, canceled. I think the right. kids call it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Nah, we need Come listen. On. So this, so I don't know if it's the right time to say it, but I think we need to get Corey O'Brien on national broadcasts um, as an announcer for the NBA. Yep. He has a, a, a really good resume over. I heard it here. Uh, yeah, just putting that out there. That guy, that guy can announce. We're putting together my audition tape as we speak. Perfect. <laughs> as we come back to this amazing Celtics season, and you know, highlighting players and great moments, and then also, you know, concerning moments like Time Lord's injury. Uh, but fortunately, it seems like best case scenario, the meniscus. Now, I don't want to go on a rant too long here, but let me say, guys, as a casual NBA fan, and I mean casual, as passionate as I am about the Celtics, and I do follow NBA Twitter because it's fun, still a casual fan, there are so many times when national media misses obvious things. And one of the things I thought was really surprising is how many people, literally everyone I heard cover this, forgot who else tore their meniscus at a really important part of the season? And that was Embiid a year ago in the playoffs and then played through it. And it was really funny because they kept referring to Wiseman and Jaron Jackson Jr. and these people that had like the full repair surgery and were out 12 plus months. And it's just, it's gotten to the point where the actual like mainstream NBA media is so story hungry that they're just fucking missing things that are so obvious and when it comes to the celtics it gets me fired up because there's all this speculation around oh well actually they wanted two so they ducked toronto because uh two of their players al horford and jalen brown aren't vaccinated fucking bullshit uh, true 
That's not, not true at all. Yeah. Al Horford came out and said, I'm vaccinated. And Jalen said, mention, I'll be able to play against anybody. Anybody. And not to mention that I know like laws changed in Canada, but the Celtics played in Toronto in November post law going into effect. And guess who started? Horford, Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart. Yeah. All their guys started. Very hungry. So it's really bizarre. And sometimes I think it actually serves the Celtics. And Justin brought up a great point last time about we need to be the underdog. Yeah, and, say, that's a lot of smoke. Right. Like it serves our narrative some way. I think actually I was, you know, mentioning recently to someone like uh, maybe even you, Steve, like the don't jinx it thing. And I think that's just like a superstitious sports thing. But I think in a way that ties into the the New England thing, heavy, heavy, heavy. Dude, I was I was experiencing that before you press record when you guys were talking about the the Nets and the Celtics or maybe you don't. I don't know if you press record yet, but I was like, yeah. I do think we can beat the Nets, but I don't want to say it out loud. Like I still, I, I still struggle with this every day. Like, like Kevin Durant is a scary motherfucker, man. He's one of the, he's. I think he's the best player in the league. I think he's the best closer in the league. He doesn't. He he makes nothing but incredible decisions at the end of games. That is enough to make me just. Hold off on any predictions. Yeah, just to be clear, I wasn't predicting that we were going to beat them. I was saying I wanted them. Yeah, okay. I wanted this series. I want the challenge. I think it was Corey and Eli. They were just like, yeah, yeah. Right, so should we frame all predictions as I want this to happen? So that yeah, Corey, Corey. <laughs> all I'm saying is this particular situation with the Nets. I think we need to tread carefully. That's what I'm going to say right now. That that is still a formidable team. Yes. Yes. I don't think Ben Simmons is gonna make the difference. But like, say Seth Curry gets hot. Say like, you know, like there's a Drummond might be able to do some things. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Like he he's been coming on strong. He's a, he's you know he remember when he used to get like twenty boards a game for the fucking Pistons. Like Andre Drummond uh, is literally never scared anyone on an NBA court. Like, okay. He's, all right. But I he's, just I'm no just, like. It's just the truth. Like he's been bounced around like a volleyball. Yeah. yeah. He's a big center who can rebound and, and bang, but he would, he would have mattered. Like he would have stayed in Philly if anyone valued him. And yeah. no, like absolutely. It's, it's cautious optimism. Yeah. There it is. And I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to make any bold predictions, uh, but I do think there is enough evidence this moment this season i also like you know as it ties into everything we've been talking about it's just hilarious how everyone's like well ben simmons might return he hasn't played in a year he's awful in the playoffs as far as we know he might might show up meanwhile robert williams will come back in these playoffs will likely come back before ben simmons and will contribute more i am confident in those predictions and he can Uh, hit free throws yeah. yeah, Robert Williams can hit free throws. And you know what, man? You're right. That's that's a valid point. I think the, the thing that gives me the most confidence against the Nets is one, the home court uh, advantage, like the, the the sixth man of the of the crowd yeah, in, in New York big, and yeah. Boston. And then two, our depth. I think we have more depth than them. And I think just even in the starting five, like beyond Kyrie and Kevin, like, yes, like I said, Seth Curry could get hot. A couple things could happen, but it's like there's a lot of just like like 
kind of nobodies. No disrespect again. I don't like the well, they're, just, they're, the defense isn't that's right. That's their weak, that's their weak point, right? And that's right. what we have to capitalize on. We have to keep scoring, we have to keep the momentum up. Keep attacking we, the rim. The rim. Yeah. And we do like yeah. to keep things positive here on this podcast, but fuck the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I like this Friday energy from Steve. Were we on the freaking any uh, I'm feeling the fucking fire, man. I love it. Yeah. We're coming in hot today and we're not afraid to to make some bold predictions. And I think the Nets, uh, as formidable as KD is on both ends and Kyrie is on offense. Um, you can tell me that he can play defense. I saw that Philly game <laughs> when he plays defense in a whole playoff series. I will apologize. Uh, they're going to hunt him. And moreover, because they need to surround those guys with shooters for as much of the time as possible so they don't get triple teamed, Frickin' bring on those tiny guards. Bring on washed-up Goring Dragic. Bring on Patty six Mills. Patty Mills. Bring on Seth Curry. Our starting two-guard rotation is going to dunk on that. Like, it's yeah. you're not even talking about Jalen and Tatum. Like, I'm just talking about, like, Marcus Smart, freaking you D. know. White. D. White. Yeah. Freaking, I mean, yeah. I think it's just going to be a fun series. I think it'll be competitive. And I think it'll be one of those series where it goes maybe five or six, at least. You know, it's like not going to be a sweep. And maybe it goes six, but it's not really close. Yeah. Can we take a quick, can we get a quick word on White? And I was just thinking about White, man. Yeah. yeah I, we didn't I, bring him up yet. Yeah. No, I, I, he's, he, his shooting was really shaky, but everything, Everything else is looking really good. He's a solid like playmaker. He's a solid defender, and um, I think that if he starts to hit his shot and he gets his confidence in his shot again, he could be extremely helpful and uh, be, you know he, he could contribute a lot. Um, but he just he's just shot. His shot has been off. You know, yeah. Last ten or fifteen games though, he's been shooting over over forty percent from three. Really? Okay. Yeah, picked up. But, and his defense is insane. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about like in his Celtic stint, but pre-Celtic stint or like right around the acquisition, they were showing some like, it was an article about, uh, oh, about Josh Richardson and him. And like um, this myth about what we were giving up getting him and like sending out Josh Richardson and Romeo and these like tantalizing pieces that aren't that good. So the myth was that Josh Richardson's better to cover the like big wings of the NBA. Nope. Derek white is literally the best defender of big wings. Like around that time, like he's so good defensively. It's insane. And I think that's probably stuff we don't notice yet because Marcus is so good and makes all the like dives and flashy plays. And then also they're just so like they've been so good as a team defensively. So everyone's looking at time Lord and Marcus, but I think, and of course we're not experts, so we're not even going to look up numbers or anything. We wouldn't know what to look up, but I think he's been one of the top defenders at his position since, I mean, all season, just, you know, through the yeah. Celtics time. So yeah, absolutely. He's coming on strong. And I think also when you think about that nets, you know, potential rotation, so if 
we have Time Lord, right? And our our smallest rotation guy is Pritchard, who's in a, you know, minimal role, but great minutes anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think Marcus is the shortest at six, four and a half or six, four and three quarters or whatever. Like everyone's basically six, five, yeah. to six, nine. And, and that's switch that's, everything yeah. athletic is all hell. And that's what that's I think what they pride themselves on defense is that everybody can guard all five positions. Yeah. And that's what the switching is, is why they've been so successful. It's like, yeah, we will, we'll be able to switch and we'll be able to keep you contain you, you know, and, um, and, and the communication must be really good. Like, I just, I just, I love Horford out there as like, a, as a captain, you know, you know, delegating to the defense. Like, yeah, man, it's, yeah. uh, you, the more you talk about it, actually the better of a matchup I could see it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a culture, you know, Obviously, they're both uh, – he and Udoka are both uh, Spurs guys. And Udoka was his, you know, essentially defensive coach yeah. for several years. And so he knew, get this guy, you know, yeah. he told Brad, yeah. like, throwing the pick swap, it's going to be worth it. And now, with the exception of Horford, just simply because of age, you look at this team and what's not sustainable about this core, even – as I have not, nothing to really weigh in on cap space, but I it seems like you know you have a couple of max guys. And I think Horford's really, up really for good. a deal, right? Horford, and, yeah, Horford will. Horford's got like a guaranteed contract. Like he gets fourteen million if they don't if they don't keep him next year, um, and like thirty million. But the team, the core of this team is is together for the next three three or four years. Like they're all under contract for a couple of years. Um, I, I am a little worried about if Horford goes. And I think that was part of the thinking behind Tice get, getting Tice was that um, he's kind of like the natural replacement for Horford in the long term. For sure. Uh, but like, I think Eli, that for me, that's like what's been so gratifying about this season is that you're watching a championship contender like just come out of nowhere. You know, we didn't need to trade everyone for Brad Beal to suddenly have a chance. Cause that's like, that was the narrative. like, we have to trade smart. We have to trade Horvath. Every piece that we can trade to get that third star. Um, and like, it, that's not what's happened. It's like, it, it's organically this, this team just kind of developed. And um, to me, like I was thinking about, do you guys, you guys, it's okay if I get a little hyperbolic here, you guys Please. do hyperbole. Sure. sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, I was thinking about. We are fans, not experts. So. Yeah, right. So we can say what we want. Uh, that's in our pocket. We can just say anything. Literally, podcast. 2014 Warriors team is what this reminds me of. Like the second half of like that core coming together, a, a team that kind of developed together. They had their two superstars, uh, homegrown. They have their gritty defender. They get a new coach that kind of implements this system, and then all of a sudden. It's like a team that all the pieces were there, but we couldn't see mm. suddenly fits so perfectly. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's funny too. Like, I think we're forgetting that for like two, three months, all anybody could talk about was how we need to split up Jalen and Jason. Split up the Jays. Yeah. Split up the Jays. Like, the dumbest I gotta idea be honest ever. I was getting pretty desperate and I was getting to a very low place. Like really like, uh, I, I started to entertain the possibility myself because the results just weren't there and they were nowhere in sight. And then it all clicked with the Jalen Brown tweet <laughs> where he says the energy is about to shift. 
Oh yeah. This, I, was, I feel like our this podcast has come full circle. <laughs> this uh this podcast has come full circle because our very first episode was called The Dawn of the Two J's Era. And now we've circled all the way back in real time <laughs> to that first yeah. episode where this is like what's really happening. We've been very anti split up the J's. Yeah, and we may have been a little premature, right? Because actually they could have gotten broken up if this really failed. Like it, it would have been realistic next season for that to yeah. be on the table. So this might have been the actual dawn of the two J's of them entering their like real NBA adulthood and stepping up. And I think we've talked about Tatum leading on the court and in other ways. And I think Jalen, Jalen is always going to be not that he's like the second fiddle per se, because he's so fucking talented and so important, but he's not going to be the face. And that's always been kind of known. But I think because he's so intelligent, like cerebral and has his own thing, I think that's okay. And I think people wanted to say, you can't have these two alphas. You can't have these two superstars. But I mean, I don't know how, how into Jalen Brown y'all are, but he's got juice, you know, his lifestyle line. And he's got his main stores in the seaport. Like he loves Boston. Like he's invested in the community and he's a leader too. He's obviously done social justice stuff that was publicized, but outside of that, like he's a leader truly. And because neither of them were that like visible leader, which we talked about, last time and some preceding episodes we couldn't see that like yelling at you know people gathering their troops kind of visible leader tatum's on court maturation and some of the stuff that's now being said about him a lot of people are predicting he could be first team all nba this year because of how it lines up and super exciting and we you know we there's so many different things you hear from the experts and like eli was saying like the way quote unquote, people build teams or try to manufacture championships and the formulas and the ways. I love, Corey, you bringing up some recent history in the Warriors at that time because they did, there was a shift in that. It's a great parallel. Bill Simmons had to rewrite, he had to like rewrite his whole book because of that Mm. run, right? Or like the back end of his, or add to the back end of his book because it was, it changed how people thought about the whole thing. And um, I love that. And I also like, I don't like it when people try to compare players from different eras or get into arguments about that because I think everyone's just so unique and the times are so unique. So I'm feeling very grateful and fortunate for this team at this time, in this moment, in this matchup, not because I think they can win, because I think, because I think it would be, it's going to be really important for their story. Like who's on the other side, Kyrie and, Durant and for them to show up against them. We're talking about guys that have been deep, deep in the playoffs already into the finals. Yeah, it was a weird couple season. The storylines, right, with the Celtics. Yeah, we've talked about both of their, you know, the Durant courting where Tom Brady and uh, Big Poppy go to. Oh yeah, and no excuses this year. We're not in a bubble. This is like it's on. So this counts now, and it's like the the Lakers aren't going to win it. (laughs) <laughs> like let's the fact that it's so real the possibility to do it is what i love the most about where we're at right now especially for what was going on at the beginning of the season 
Yeah, it's um, like thinking about like that that narrative, um, that the the torch passing narrative too of doing it against KD for Tatum. I think especially as like kind of occupying similar roles within the team within the offense, and and like historically, some of the some of the knocks on KD was that he was not that vocal leader on on his teams, and that he preferred mm-hmm. to be like the kind of shirking Rose, the other guy on this squad. So yeah. and and then him becoming now like the unquestioned best scorer in basketball. Yeah. Uh, and so to watch Tatum go toe to toe with him, um, that's a really cool like kind of narrative as well that I'm, I'm really, it's really fun to watch. Yeah, I think also it's the Kyrie like, you know, this has been talked about a lot. How they like still think of him as kind of a big brother, so they'll like lose to him and then go like hug him, right, mm-hmm. and dap him up. And I think that still will exist to some degree. And I think there's still like love and respect, but I also believe Tatum and this team is ready to just beat the fucking shit out of them too. Like, I just think they want to beat them by 30. Like, I just think they're going to, they're going to bring it and it's going to be fucking great. He made it too, right? He made it at the beginning of the year. It was like, these guys are not your friends. And he, that was one of the things yeah. he talked about was they gave too much respect to their opponents. Um, and he was like, you need to make them feel you, that you are better than them. And they need, to, they need to know that. You don't need to respect them this way. Right. Yeah, I think it's a huge mental hurdle that they will have to get through. I think they have the potential to do it. But, like, Ke- uh, Kyrie and, and and Kevin, ha- they, they have the ability, if, you know, like, they have this presence for sure in the minds of the Celtics, you know, as being dominant, as being, you know. And, and I think if we can get past that with the, the – that at that point, like, we'll be equipped to really make a real run. So I, I love that it's the first round, and, and you know, and yeah, I think it's it's really going to be a great training ground for like mental toughness, you know, because playoff basketball is is way different from um, you know regular season success. And I just want to quickly touch on one thing you were saying about Jalen Brown. It's like my the most exciting thing about Jalen Brown to me is that I don't even think he's the best version of himself yet. I think Tatum's close to peaking, and I think Tatum's right there. He can obviously add little things to his games, but but he's already he already looks very polished and 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 like, and, oh yeah, you know, in his in his bag, like he really he looks confident in who he is. I think Jalen still has the ability, like the possibility of going up a whole nother level, and he's already 100%. gone up like three levels. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's just like so, you know, there's there's moments where his his ball handling looks just like a little loose or like. He just looks like he could really refine just even a little bit more and become like truly elite. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen yeah. right now um, is a little bit and, and like his turnover numbers are actually down a lot the last couple of months. Um, you know, it looks awkward sometimes. I think he's going through those same growing pains as a playmaker that, that Tatum did at the beginning of this year um, where, you know, Tatum would, was being asked to do this thing that he's never really had to do before, which is like pass the fucking ball. Um, and so like he's being asked to be more of a playmaker to run the offense more. And we saw him struggle with that a little bit at the beginning of the year. And now Jalen's kind of coming around to that as well. So like when he, we can get, if we can get him three to five assists a game, four to five assists a game, suddenly that's the complete package. That's what we're seeing from Tatum as well. So yeah. a lot of his turnovers, a lot of his awkwardness is I think him being cerebral about it and thinking, right. Oh, I'm driving to the lane right now. I need to kind of see the court as a think of the the court as something different than it used to be, right? Where I need to yeah. start where all my teammates are and not just where I want to go. Uh, and that's 
where you see some of those times where he gets in the air and then just kind of throws it to nobody. Yeah. Those will go down as he gets more comfortable with that role. And then it's like, then look out. Yeah, already look out. I don't know what what comes after look out, but it's already there. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, I mean, he can posterize anyone, right? And he almost is more explosive than Tatum, even though I don't think that's actually true. But he's his athleticism and just raw ability is off the charts, right? And that was known, you know, coming out of Cal. Um, it's interesting because. I remember watching Tatum, you know, obviously his rookie season is, you know, they make this run and Kyrie's hurt. And so it's it's Tatum and Brown playing huge minutes at 19 and 20. Um, but immediately Tatum just, I don't know what it is, but his motions, his movements, everything from day one was next level and you just knew holy shit this is some fucking larry bird shit like he just especially offensively like he his shot was always just insanely pretty you know and like jalen was much more raw uh of a talent coming in and there's certainly a little bit different players um right but the similarities are striking as well and in their development but it's funny because Jalen's year, you know, older as far as his NBA experience mm. and actual life experience. But they're kind of just twins. And in a way, like Tatum came out first, or maybe he didn't, he came out second, but he was a little bigger. You know, there's always like one twin that sort of like gets the spotlight a little more. Yeah. Uh, if it's unfair or not, you know, who knows? Justin actually has twin nieces. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but I have a lot of twin cousins. Um, but man, like there's something about his path and um, the the narrative where it feels in a way like he's developing in Tatum's shadow, but he's actually like been leading the way in a lot of ways. And I think their sort of like quiet bond and friendship that's been uh, you know, questioned, but of course, never actually in jeopardy. They've shared a little more about that over the last, you know, season. And I think that's been great to see as well. Yeah. I, I'm just going to piggyback on that real quick because something just came to me. Yeah. When, when, when that twin relationship, like, comes into full fruition, when it's like in full form where they're both at, at their peak and they're both playing at their potential, it will be like, It'll be something the NBA has never ever seen. It'll be it'll it'll be so it'll be like a dynamic duel that 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 an unprecedented occurrence in, in NBA history. Um, and like you know, if it needs, we still need to see. We need still need to see it happen. I love I love um, Udoka for bringing that bringing it out of them and, and setting them on the path to to that but um i it just you just really got me hyped when i think about what what that possibility could be you know it's like yeah i mean they had how many games this year where they each had 30 yeah like in the second half of the season that just started happening there was there was a stretch where it was like every night it was like every every night and they won every fucking game right so now we're in the playoffs (laughs) what's gonna happen (laughs) Uh, well i 
just want to say that I don't want to force anyone to make any predictions or go against their gut feeling. Uh, so maybe let's just say, if Steve, you're amenable, let's just see, is anyone actually, does anyone actually believe they'll lose to the Nets? You like actually think they're going to lose. I know there's fears, but but does anyone think they'll actually lose to the Nets? I think that they're, I mean, there's a chance they can lose. Um, Kevin I Durant. Think, I don't, yeah, Kevin Durant. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not as high on Kyrie as a playoff performer as everybody is. I think he rode those three games in 2016 for his whole career. Um, but but KD is is the toughest matchup for this Celtics defense um, because he's you he's such a great isolation scorer. Um, the Celtics force you to be isolation isolation scorer, so that's like the scary part of it. Um, I don't think that I don't think it's likely. I think like. I've been telling everyone that my financial advice is um, to take all your money and bet it on the Celtics to win the championship because it's plus a thousand right now. So, you know, you put it all into the Celtics to win the championship. Uh, you get you get a nice, like, handsome return. I think those are really good odds. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think I don't Bill think, Simmons has them. Yeah, he has them against the Suns. Yeah, he doesn't have yeah. them winning necessarily, yeah. but he has them picked for the finals. So, yeah. There are some experts who believe. Uh, well, yeah, but I don't know if we should trust Bill Simmons, though. The, <laughs> the world's number one homer. He's, he, <laughs> he, he fights it every show, every show, but he just can't resist. It's like that vein popping out of your forehead. Uh, I can't say shit. I'm number one homer. At least I yeah. admit it. At least oh, yeah. I we're, all homers. we're all homers here on this podcast, for so, sure. Get it? And. And no one will ever be as big a homer as Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, so. I would have loved this team. This is like the exact team. Oh, yeah. They that's such the a ball. They get in your face defensively. This, was, this is yeah. like a team made for Tommy. They don't run as much as Tommy would, would like. Tommy would be yelling at them to run more. But yeah. In the spirit yeah. of positivity, you, you made me realize that I would, there is an announcer who I think has an incredibly bright future in a scout breeding. What a great, like, I think he is like, he is, he gives me hope for announcers just to bring that back. I mean, we need a new generation, right? I don't know how Mike Gorman is still going. Uh, I, by the way, I love Mike Gorman. I'll just say as we're on the announcers briefly, like Tommy is uh, legendary and what he did on the court, you know, as a coach and in the booth is unparalleled, like unparalleled. I didn't, I mean, Holy shit, I didn't realize like he was on all of those teams. Like yeah. he's the guy next to Bill Russell, right? Like unbelievable player. Uh but Mike Gorman, you know, it's not easy to be such a long-lasting voice and play-by-play. Um you know, you think of kind of some of the more famous ones, but the color guys, you know, they get all the the fun stuff, right? And Mike Gorman is just the man. So uh, I don't know how much longer he'll be calling games. And, of course, you know, he wasn't calling every game. Uh, so hopefully he's well and uh, calling games next season. But, yeah, it's, they ne- they needed a succession plan. And I like the way that Scal started calling road games uh, while Tommy was still alive. Yeah. Um, and, let's, you know. Before, let's win a chip for Tommy. Right? Yeah. Before we close out, though, I just uh, I wanted to say I love – I love some of the stuff we surface kind of like in this pod. And I love that, like, 
Uh, as fans, we don't have a ton of like hot takes or research planned out, but we do have things in mind and things we even stumble upon. So some things we realized in the moment and also uh, I got to shout out Corey's take on the 2014 Warriors. Uh, I actually w lived in San Francisco for a long time, including 2014. And there are a lot of really great similarities. You had to go through this sort of like initial success with Monte Ellis, with Mark Jackson as the coach, with this totally Adrian. different team, totally different team. Yeah. And they had to shed that. They had to realize that like as good as this was and, you know, beating Dallas in the first round, uh, that's not like that's not going to get us to the next level. And then it wasn't until they got rid of Ellis, they got Steve Kerr. You know, it's like there's a lot of really great uh, parallels. Steve Kerr played on the Spurs. So, um, yeah, shout out to our, our new guest, Corey, for bringing some great insights. And, uh, yeah, so any any closing words anyone wants to offer? I mean, so much to celebrate and be excited about the future. As we said, the core of this team is going to be together. Uh, I think kind of whatever happens this postseason, uh, I'm going to just be psyched for next season. And really in the face of the last couple seasons and so much doubt around the direction, the toughness, the two Js, it's just really great to have gotten here. And let's fucking kick some Brooklyn ass. <laughs> yeah. It's time. Uh, Game face is on. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully they get over this hump and bring home banner number 18, first franchise to 18. It's going to be so sweet. It is. Yeah, let's let's try to circle back when it's all said and done and maybe do another one of these emergency pods to wrap it all up. Oh, yeah. Get on the other side of this. Hopefully be celebrating. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, gentlemen. Much, man. This was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks so much Great. for joining us. It's been another episode of Celtic Strong. Your one and only podcast, all fan run and fan dictated hyperbole. Bring it on. <laughs> Big thanks to CelticStrong.com, the number one fan forum for all things Boston Celtics on the internet. Yes, the biggest chat forum. Thanks to our friend Brian for keeping it alive. We will hopefully be back in several months after a championship but we'll be back at some point and maybe with Justin and Corey. Thanks for listening, y'all. Peace. Peace. Adios.